Hobby Addict の時間です It's time for Hobby Addict And now here are your anime addicts Everybody, what's up? Welcome to Hobby Addicts, episode 168. I'm your host Mitsuki. Man, we got it. We're gonna have a good episode today because I am joined by the lovely Mandy, who hello is trying her hardest to find as much time as possible to play Fire Emblem. I'm trying. <laughs> This week, I'll have more time. And of course, we also have the lovely Mason, who spent his. I guess part of last week up in Canada and Montreal visiting those Canadian folk. How are you, Mason? Buongiorno. <laughs> Buongiorno. <laughs> I know that's Italian, but that's the only word I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't think of the French word? Well, no, I was going off、uh, Inglorious Bastards because I'm hyped、oh, for the gotcha, new、uh, gotcha. Tarantino movie. Yeah,、uh, yeah I, heard I heard it's really good. Very excited. So I'm going to kick off. I'm going to kick it off today.、Um, <clears throat> I. I went on another mountain climbing adventure, a very difficult trip. And I posted a link at the top of the document if you guys want to look at the route that we took. It has a lot of photos. It's called Deca Libro. And it's called Deca Libro because it's a loop in the Mosquito Mountain Range of the Rocky Mountains that, that, that hits four separate 14,000 foot peaks. And so you do them all in like a loop. And, um,. There'll be another really good like, mountain story in two weeks when I <clears throat> re attempt Holy Cross. The,、uh, I, I actually lo- we lost that episode because I, I made a,、um, a blunder when I was editing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But、um, the awesome story of me carrying the dog down the mountain and stuff. I'll give like, a two minute recap of that in a couple weeks when I go to do that again.、But、It's the could- redemption arc. The redemption, the, oh, yeah. Oh, of yeah. the mountain climbing saga. The Holy Cross revenge. So. Um, Deca Libro, we, 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 we camped out right, right by the base of the mountain and got up at 4 a.m.、Um, and getting pretty good at sleeping in the back of a SUV, by the way. And、um, we, we put the headlamps on and it was cold and we, didn't, we forgot our jackets. And that's an important point in the story.、Um, the, the prior trip, when, when we tried Holy Cross the first time, it was so warm that it was like t shirt weather. I mean, you would, you, you would have been fine in a t shirt, to be honest. But for whatever reason, yesterday, climbing Mount Democrat, it was cold. <clears throat> it was really cold. And I was thinking, and when I got out of the car in the morning, it was like 4 a.m. And it was probably like, I don't know, 40 degrees out. And, I'm think, and I've got like a,、uh, two long sleeve workout shirts that are, you know, not, not that warm. And a short sleeve that I wore the day before that I pulled over as a third layer. And then I've got like, my legs are always warm because I have a really nice pair of Under Armour leggings. Um, so, we start walking up this mountain with the headlamps, and it's not so bad. You know, it's kind of like a grassy valley. We're kind of like rock stepping over these creeks and stuff with our headlamps in the dark. And there's a ton of other people、um, climbing up both sides of the mountain. So, there are people climbing up on the, on the right. <clears throat> you're kind of in a bowl shape. So, the mountain kind of, kind of operates in a bowl, and you are like in the valley when you start. And off on the right side of the mountain, there's, a, there's Mount Bross, which people are, you can see like these, the trail of headlamps going up the mountain in the dark. And then there's Mount Democrat, that's over on the left. And there's the trail of headlamps going up that side as well. 
and uh, we we chose the Mount Democrat route, and it was it was all right. When we got to the, there's a point where you where you get through this first climbing section, and these mountain climbs are always kind of spirit breaking because you you you're you're, you're always working towards like a horizon point. Like you like you can see you can see so much up the mountain, and you think, oh my god, when we get to the top of this, we we we've done we've done it, and <clears throat> just like always, we got to the top of that first like little little ridge. And we're, we're at, like, the elevation level's off. And we hadn't even started the mountain yet. Like, it, it, the mountain hadn't even begun. And That's rough. Oh, yeah, because you've got another... You climb you, you climb for, like, an hour and a half, and then, you, and then you're like, oh, yeah, we did it. We're, we're on flat land. And then you look up, and you realize you've got, like, another three hours to go. And um, <clears throat> there's, like, an old abandoned mine shaft. And if you take the left... If you take the left... At the mine shaft, you go up Mount Democrat. You take the right, you go up Mount Cameron. So that's the second. That's a that's one of the another one of the peaks. So if we climb Mount Democrat, and the wind was just vicious. I mean, oh man, it was a windy day, and with the wind, like um, my girlfriend who was with me, she was just freezing. Uh, we only had one pair of gloves. I don't know what the hell was our problem. Like we just forgot all this. Really? Stuff. Oh no. So I eventually gave her my gloves, which I which I had. But um, we were just freezing our asses off, and there's really nowhere to hide from the wind on these mountains because there's no trees or anything. And we're just like scaling up these like boulder fields. There's not much of a trail um, up this particular mountain. Mount Democrat was, it was fairly tough, I would say. I mean, it, it, I've done tougher at this point, but like it was fairly tough. And we got to the top of you know the next line of sight up democrat and we realized there was more even still we had to walk across a snowfield and then go up another like 200 feet we got to the top of that and i got i took an absolutely just i just i don't even know how to describe the photo i mean it was just like i took a panorama from the top of the mountain and it was amazing so we did go, you put it in the chat um i'll try but i'll tell you mandy this is one of those okay. this is one of those instances where like um, Discord doesn't let you. Ah, uh, gotcha. Because it's too large. Oh yeah, you know, I don't. We just need yeah. a couple more people to boost the server. Yeah, and then we get more space. Oh, yeah, that would be good. I mean, I'll try to do it for <laughs> you because it's worth seeing. Um, I, I just throw it up right here and see if it see if it goes, but I don't think it will. So we okay. so we went down Mount Democrat, and going down is a lot easier. And we were like, we were so cold, we were we were about to bail on the trip because at that point we we we'd only done one of the four mountains. And we're like, well, you know, poor girlfriend's freezing. You know, I'm kind of wishy-washy about it. But, you know, we're both really stubborn, and we're both determined, and we're just not the kind that give up even when it's reckless. So we're just like, you know what? If we go back now, like, what are we? Like, we're just, we're just a bunch of quitters. So in, in, in typical fashion, it's, it's, it's one sort of step at a time. So we start going up Mount Cameron, which is to, which is to the, yeah, it, it, won't let me up, it won't let me upload this. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Um, how how much of a dip is there between, like, the peaks? So that's a good question. So, um, and and I'm gonna try to get this photo. I'm just gonna I'm gonna like screen cap it and then post it. It won't be as good, but it'll still. It'll, I'll put it in the live stream section of the Discord. So it's a good question, Mason, because you you come down Mount Democrat, and it's. It's a pretty far ways down. You know, it's a, it's over a thousand feet down. I would say uh, probably mm-hmm. probably fifteen hundred, eighteen hundred feet down. When to get back down to the mine shaft and then go up to then then you you basically go straight up Mount Cameron from that point and you're going up another like fifteen hundred feet. So you go up, you're going up fifteen hundred feet only to come down and go right back up again. So it's pretty rough. You know, I was I was really tired going up Mount Cameron. 
um, which is not, which is absolutely a piece of cake compared to Democrat. And and it was just like I had to stop. My my calves were burning. You know, I'm bulking. Like I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going up in weight with my backpack. I'm probably I'm probably at least 200 pounds. And um, we got to the top of Mount Good Democrat, which is just like this. Little, oh yeah, that's gorgeous. Oh yeah, it's just it's that's that's the whole reason why you do it. I think is to wow to see these unbelievable like. Um, panoramic shots of them of ever just like the whole world is like laid out yeah i feel so. like that's where you like light the bonfires from lord of the rings yeah or <laughs> yeah. Or, uh, that, oh. or for sure there'd be a bonfire from like uh dark souls up there but um oh yeah cameron was like this little mosquito bite of a, of a, of a hump on this ridge and, <laughs> and we kind of we didn't spend much time on it we just kind of went through it mount lincoln you have to kind of go down mount democrat again maybe 300 or 400 feet down through like almost like through like a desert area and then you go up mount lincoln and i don't know if i have a picture of mount lincoln um i'll see but uh, mount lincoln's pretty cool because it has like a rock spire you have to sort of climb and it was let me see here i got another picture here so this picture i'm uploading right now is like the desert and then off in the distance you can see these two bumps in the mountain that are, are mount lincoln mount lincoln is the eighth tallest peak in the rocky mountains so it's it's up there and climbing Mount Lincoln was pretty cool. And I had to drop the most tremendous deuce when I was between Cameron and Lincoln. And, and Lincoln is so tall. I, I, had, I just had to. Um, Lincoln and you is, had to create your landmark, right? Uh, I mean, he was talking I about left, how much he weighed. He had to drop pounds wherever he could. Listen, yeah. listen I left my mark on this mountain, okay? Um, so if you look at the photo, the second bump way off in the distance is Mount Lincoln. Um, and beneath it, you see all these little dots of people. So you can tell that that's pretty far away. And, um, I dropped a deuce, like Mount Lincoln's really tall. So I had to go like, I had to go down quite a ways on the mountainside to like get to a spot where nobody could see me. And it was just glorious. Um, we climbed Lincoln, came back. And then you, if you look closely on the photo, there's like a trail of people on the left. And then there's another trail that's off on like the right, on the right side. And so you, you, you go towards Lincoln on the left, and then you come back on the right. And then there's another mountain peak way out called Mount Bross. And I don't know if I have that photo of Bross or not. But um, Mount Bross, yeah, here we go. Mount Bross is nothing really interesting to look at. And you're basically just walking on flat land all the way over to it. Because it's, um, you know, it's not, not everything has a huge elevation gain. And once you're up Cameron, you pretty much are... You're flat for the most part. So we did all four of them, even though we thought we'd bail after one. And coming down, Bross really sucked. Um, the rocks were really unstable, and it was just like you... It was almost like sliding down gravel, the whole sub-mountainside. And it was... It was definitely tough. So, like, you can see um, my girlfriend's on the, on the right there, and then you follow that, that ridge line all the way up to where Bross is at the top. So the whole trip, it took us seven hours. We got back to the car almost exactly at noon. And it was, we climbed 380 stories and walked, I think it was about 11 miles or so. So it was a pretty good like warm up for next weekend, which is going to be even harder on that, on that ridge, the Holy Cross. And then, um, and two weeks after that, Mason will be here and when we'll be climbing Mount Elbert, which is the tallest mountain in, in, uh, in the Rocky Mountains, so the tallest, but it shouldn't be as difficult as the one you're doing next time. Like it's not as technical of a route. The one we're doing next time is a little tougher. 
Um, yeah. But Mount Elbert's no walk in the park. I mean, it's it's 5,600 feet of elevation gain, and it's an 11 mile hike. And um, to give you to give you an idea, it is 200 feet taller than Mount Lincoln that you, that that you saw in the other in the, in the photo. So it'd be that plus 200 feet, and it's gonna be a good time. You know, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to man up, I think, but. But I know, I know we can do it, so. I mean, after thousands of feet, what's an extra 200? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, a, it's a decent point, but man, I, I swear. like. No, I've, I, I'm sure, because so you got to go. <laughs> I was so tired yesterday. Like, honest to God, I don't know if I've ever been that tired. And the best thing is that, like, when you get down off the mountain and you're just, like, sitting in the, in the back of your car and you're just, like, letting your feet hang off and you just take your shoes off and put clean socks on or whatever – and then the whole rest of the weekend, it's like, I can eat whatever the hell I want. So we went and got, <laughs> I mean, because, like, it's the, the calorie burn is just, yeah. it's just totally insane. And um, and we got a large pizza pizza with, like, the with like the crust that has, like, cheesy, that, that are, like, they're cheesy. The cheesy still, bites or whatever? The cheesy bite crust where you rip it off and you dip it in, like, marinara sauce. And then we ate two dozen sugar cookies, <laughs> like, right out of the oven. Oof. And it was well-deserved, though. I mean... But um, it was a good time, and uh, wish it hadn't been quite so cold. And I found a tremendous dog up on Mount Bross, um, and I'm told it's like a Burmese um, mountain dog. Mountain or something. dog. This dog. Those are is, big, chunky boys. Those are great dogs. Look at this dog. This dog is handsome. He's a handsome friggin' dog. Oh my goodness. Oh wow. So photogenic. Oh my god. He has beautiful fur. Yeah, he was. But he was, was it just by himself, or he was with, oh. he was with his owner at the top of Mount Bross. They were just chilling. Yeah, I see it now. The and um, pack on him. He was about a hundred pounds. His name was um, Tilly, and he was just like the coolest dog. So kind of made me want one just because he's so handsome. It's just yeah, totally totally worth the hike over there to see that dog. So that was my um, that was my trip, and um, gonna can have you more. arrange for our hike to uh, have dogs situated every? Uh, couple hundred feet so i can stop and pet them and keep like that'll, that'll be like my carry down <laughs> a stick to keep me going it's going to take you forever <laughs> to get up that mountain there's almost always like there's almost always dogs assuming the, assuming the climb is like dog friendly there's almost always dogs i mean i saw probably 20 dogs yesterday on the mountains um because like while the hike is really long like it's a really long hike and you're going up and down and up and down it's not like it's dangerous like you're not going to fall off the edge and die or anything so um, it's it was pretty dog friendly, and uh, I'm not sure if I'm not sure if Mount Elbert, which is what we're planning to do, I'm not sure if it's dog friendly. But my girlfriend has a dog that's pretty experienced at this point going up the mountain. So, um, okay, so that's it. That's what I got. Decalibro, they call it. Nice. Oh, and uh, I'm up to um, set six six climbed fourteeners now and one failed attempt. So, not so bad. Sounds pretty good to me. All right. So we got, um, what is this? I know people want to hear about Fire Emblem. So. Oh, yeah. So Fire Emblem Three Houses came out Friday. Um, I, I've only been able to put in a few hours up into it because I've just been, weekends are bad for me and I've just been so busy. But uh, I played a little bit of it to know, like, basically uh, how it compares to the past pre, um, Fire Emblem games. So, um, this Fire Emblem, like, takes place in this world, I think it's called Fodlon, or Fodlon, I don't know how you pronounce it, but, uh, and it's, like, this 
uh, con- like it's split into three continents, and each of them are ruled by a different nation. There's like the Andristian Empire, the Holy Kingdom of like Fergus, and then there's the Leicester uh, Alliance, which I think. Sorry, were you gonna say something? I was gonna ask you if all these fire. I, I played some of these games, but I can't remember if they all take place in the same world or not, or if they're just like. I don't think so. No. Okay. So, the, so they're not really connected. I could be to, wrong. So they're not connected to I other played, games. I played a ton of Fire Emblem games, but I'm going to be honest, most of the ones, I didn't pay attention to the story at all. At all. So I, I think all of them have different worlds, though. You're just in it for the, you're just in it for the, for the battles. Yes. <laughs> like most games. <laughs> but, um, except for like, you know, very story-heavy driven games. Most of the time, honestly, I skip past stories, so. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, and this one at the uh, center of all these nations, there is this uh, is the home of the Church of Seros and the Officer Academy. And the academy is comprised of three different houses, and each of those houses have representatives from each of the nations. There's like the Black Eagles, the Blue Lions, and the Gold De- Golden Deers. And then you get to choose um, like your character's name and gender, but you can't change the appearance, which I was depressed, like oh. really sad about. Because I love being able to customize how my character looked in past games. But this one is um, 3D, so it makes sense that it's harder to do that. Because in past games with 2D sprites, you could change like your hair and your facial structure and eye color and stuff. And then because it was so much easier to be able to show that throughout the game. But in this one, it's fully 3D rendered. So it's a lot harder for you to be able to do that, I think. So um, as someone who has never played a Fire Emblem game, like how much does character customization actually come through? Because I think about like Dark Souls, where I like, (laughs) I can spend like five minutes customizing how my character looks. And then I put a big old fat helmet on him for the rest of the game. And I'm like, well, (laughs) that was nice while it was there. Thank God most games have that like hide helmet option. <laughs> okay, I see. But no, no, this one, it, it really doesn't play a big deep part of it either. But in the past games, like you couldn't like, like you couldn't, it never showed equipment on your characters. So I see. yeah, so the, your appearance then would never change. And uh, this one, I you can only change your weapon. So even then it's still, it's not a big deal. But um, so what so, yeah, house you did you to, go with? Yeah, I was going to say, and then you get to choose which house you want to go to. Oh, I can't and wait. And then your story goes from there. I chose the Golden Deer for me. Wrong! Because... <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I think everyone... I think the most popular one is the Black Eagles, it seems like. Because they seem like to have the best characters in them. But the Golden Deer I chose because it was like... It told me it's for archers and people who try to avoid direct combat. I'm like, well, that's me. <laughs> so You're, you always, you always like, play the archer. I want to shoot shit from a safe distance. <laughs> this house is checking all of my boxes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the leader of the Golden Deer is this man named Claude. And he is uh, like the, I think, I think he's the prince of the nation. So he is eventually going to become like the ruler. And he's also a very roguish type character. So he's always trying to find ways to uh, sabotage the enemy without, like, before we even get into combat. He, like, makes poisons and stuff. I'm like, all right, you're my dude. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, there are all of the characters in it. There's some great ones. There's some that have gotten on my nerves so far. But in my house, though, most of them are good. 
characters for me. Are you one of the people that plays with the like permadeath, or are you like you want to keep your characters? I want to keep my characters. I don't play with permadeath, <laughs> which is probably like very frowned upon. I know a lot of people are like only permadeath. That's the only way to play. And I'm like, oh, I can't. If one of my characters died, I'd be so sad. Well, I mean, unless it's unless it's darkest dungeon, and then you play with permadeath. Well, that's different. Yeah. I don't get attached to my characters in that game, though. This one is like you interact with them and have story time with them. So I'm like, oh, I don't want them to die. But Darkest Dungeon ones, I'm like, they're just pawns. There's, so no, I don't care about there's them. no story in Darkest Dungeon. <laughs> we are trying to close the portal beneath your your mansion. Well, we're not doing a good job. That's true. Yeah. So, so <laughs> it's, it's going to take a while. So do you feel like you're going to play a lot more Fire Emblem and come back with more of it next weekend or next uh, next Hobby Addicts? Or like, what do you think you're going to be doing? Oh, yeah, I'll be playing more of it. But I, I mean, I still know a lot about like the system. I've played a decent amount of it. So um, in this game and the gameplay, they, it's still the same tactical game as the previous ones but um they did make a couple different changes like that now you can equip battalions to your characters and those battalions are like um you know armies that you can equip to them but it gives them passive uh buffs and also there's something called a gambit system now where each of those battalions have a different kind of attack that they can do on the enemy some of them like disrupt them some of them uh, do like massive amounts of damage i think some heal i haven't i don't i haven't had a haven't had the chance to play with a large variety of them so i don't know all of the possibilities that they have yet but uh also this game focuses a lot on the characters and previous ones did because now it's like a mix between tactics and persona <laughs> it's it's uh like you um go through the days of the week and uh you huh. can start the week off with what's called the lecture it's it's framed so much like persona so you start with a lecture and you you are a um professor at this school so you get to choose how to teach the students and what they're supposed to focus on and then at the end of the week you get to explore the school and you can go around and talk to people there are different activities you can do to boost stats like you can ask a professor to teach you so you can boost your own stats you can spend time with the characters to try and increase their uh can you have private lessons Mm. yes you can do private Mm, lessons yeah (laughs) Um, yeah, you can, uh, like, eat with them, you can do different activities with them, and there are, like, items you can find around, you can find, like, lost items and give them back to the person to boost how they like you, and gifts and stuff. And then there are certain missions in the week that you have to go to, to, you know, they're, like, the tactical battles. So it's framed a lot like Persona, (laughs) in a way. Do you think they're looking at the Persona franchise as a success and trying to piggyback on that? possible hmm. it's highly possible are they are they succeeding? which i mean i like it so far i i think it's um it's been a lot of fun so far so uh yeah it's not as like straightforward as the previous games because like the previous like the last game that i played uh you have a uh, hub like and you can go around and just talk to people but there wasn't really much to do it was like okay go talk to people and boost your relationships with them and with each other like you can have two characters talk to each other to boost their relationships and then you just go to the next mission this one there's a lot more to do like there's a lot more exploring 
and events you can do with these characters. So yeah, I like it so far. I'm planning, uh, maybe I'll have more to talk about it later after I get deeper into it, but I'm sure so far, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm sure it's going to be a huge success. These Fire Emblem games are, you know, I feel like it's like the like the Nintendo RPG franchise right yeah. now, pretty much. Um, this one also gives you the option to go between English and Japanese. The last game, I think actually all of the previous games, you could only do English. And this one actually gave you the choice. And I've heard that the English dub in this one is actually pretty decent. The last game was atrocious. <laughs> I hated it so much that I actually modded my, my 3DS so I could play the Japanese one. Oh, dang. So I assume Damn, you're playing wow. with the Japanese dub. Yes, I'm is, playing Japanese dub. Is because this the, the last uh, one... best Fire Emblem of the series so far? Like, would you oh, recommend have, this I, as I a starting point? I to be able to. Fair enough. Don't put, I think, yeah, don't it's a good starting point. Like that, Mason. I'm just. I just want these uh, big review questions when she's only just begun. <laughs> when I've only, I've only played like three hours of it. Make an assessment, okay? Um, yeah. I wouldn't say I don't know the. I don't know enough about it yet to be able to say it's the best one, but it is definitely a very easy one to jump onto if you've never played a Fire Emblem. I think this one is very highly accessible. Let's Except there are, like, all of the previous classes are in this one. I could see that one being very confusing for new people. Because, like, in the previous games, you can combine classes and then make, like, these advanced classes. Where, like, if you focus on, like, lance uh, skills and then focus on flying, you can become, like, a Pegasus warrior. Stuff like that. But, um... So that could probably be confusing for new people. Well, I don't think it actually did a very decent job of explaining that, but if you have played Fire Emblem, it was very straightforward. So, uh, but you can, I think there are, um, like, uh, tooltips in there that you can check out, though. Well, I have played Fire Emblem, and I enjoy it quite a lot. I just don't, I probably wouldn't end up getting this one, because even if at some point I do end up buying a Switch, uh, you know, I probably won't, I'm probably not going to remember about the Fire Emblem game at that point, so... But I'll live, I'll live vicariously through you, Mandy. And at least you can't, awesome. uh, you know, stick another game in my lap to play since I don't have a Switch. <laughs> so, mm. appreciate that. You lucked out this time. I lucked out. <laughs> All right, so Mason, you had yourself a, a bit of an adventure, didn't you? I did. I uh, Earlier this week, uh, for a couple days, I drove up to Montreal, the, the French city in Quebec, Canada. And it was a good time. Have either of you ever been? Uh, I've been to other cities in Canada, but not Montreal. I have not. It was pretty cool. So I guess the first thing that I was like concerned about was like French is the primary language there. And I have never studied or known anything about French in my life. <laughs> and I was like not quite sure how easy it would be to communicate. And Come on. It was actually interesting because a lot of places didn't have like English translations, but French it was just so close to a lot of words that English stole from, and you see it enough that it was actually really easy to get around. Like you got, you got this, un deux trois. Come on. I, nah, I I know nothing, literally One, two, nothing, three. and it was easy <laughs> as pie. Both using like the metro, like their subway system. <laughs> Uh, just pointing at things. And most people there spoke both languages, so it was pretty easy to get around. 
I feel but like you, I, I feel like you sort of have to speak elite both languages in a city like Montreal because, I mean, while Canada has a lot of French speakers in it, there's also an awful lot of people speaking English there. Oh, so, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it was a very diverse city, and it was probably one of the most like multicultural experiences I've seen, just because there's just such an influx of different visitors. And uh, I actually went during the Just for Laughs, which is like the big comedy festival that they host where they have essentially all these big name comedians up there. So with that event also going on as well, there was just tons of people walking around and exploring and it was great. There was lots and lots of really excellent food there. And that's pretty much what 90% of my time consisted of. I bet. If we know our Mason, if we know anything about you, Mason, it's that you are where the food is. It's very true. It's, it's very, very true. true, yeah. <laughs> like, the way I travel around cities is go out for quote-unquote lunch, which consists of, like, three to four restaurants in close proximity to one another, and then I just walk to another area until I find another group of restaurants and then eat there. So, like, for example, day one, lunch, quote-unquote, was... Got a couple bagels because Montreal's known for like their fresh, uh, like wood-fired bagels, and they were pretty great. Then immediately after, go next door to get some, like pasta. Then get some ice cream right Hell after. Yeah, yeah like it was just back to back to back. I had went to a place called Hotto Dogu, which I've never heard of before, <laughs> but that's like <laughs> Japanese-style hot dogs. What? Oh, nice. They're, what? Yeah, it was great. They don't even oh, eat hot dogs in Japan. It was great. They had like ones with, you know, salmon, like it was a, not sushi-esque, but like a steamed salmon on top. They had one with like the classic yakisoba noodles on top. They had one with karage chicken on top. They had, uh, I'm blanking on the words, but they had all kinds of quality stuff there. They had, uh, they had a bunch of smoked meats at Schwartz's. I went there. Uh, one of my favorite things is a lot of restaurants that we have in America, they would put like an extra word at the end. So, example, Starbucks was the Starbucks cafe and Krispy Kreme was the Krispy Kreme cafe, which I thought was hilarious because in my mind, a cafe is the furthest thing from what Krispy Kreme is. <laughs> yeah, well, Krispy Kreme um, is a donut shop. OK, it is. Get it right. But- over there, it's a Krispy Kreme cafe and with, I, with the little tilde over the E and everything. Did you go in? Uh, I did not. I did not. I just walked by. Like, I was wondering uh, if it was like set up like a cafe. You know, like they sell donuts, but it's really a cafe, you know, or if it's... Oh, I'm sure it was just a straight up Krispy Kreme like normal. <laughs> okay. But uh, the second day, I definitely did like the big touristy thing. So I went up uh, Mount Royal, which is like this massive hill... You know, a little training in for my uh, it's not Colorado hike. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Mount Royal. But it was cool because it's right in the middle of the city and there's like a, a citywide like ordinance that says like buildings around it can't be taller than a certain level. So like it guarantees that you have like a full like 360 view of the city and it's pretty cool. I hate to tell you this, Mason. I don't, I don't want to be I don't want to be this guy. But um, Mount Royal's elevation is 764 feet. Yeah. Which means... Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I made it harder because, you know, walking up this this path, this is this is a very commercial place. You know, this isn't 
intended for field trips. This is for families. Did you crab like walk they have it? this very nice, well-paved path with like markers that list out like how far you are away from different places up the mountain or to the peak or to the chateau or what have you. But of course, if you're going to have a perfectly good path like that, you better not have a weird, sketchy path that goes off with no signs or anything, because that's the one I'm going to take. And I ended up on like this back side of the mountain. I was like rock climbing up sections of it. I was hopping over fences. I was definitely not where most people should have been. And this was not <laughs> the intended pathway, but it was way more entertaining. And I found like all this sketch, like signs of like campfires and parties and graffiti of people. You know, having a little fun with the mountain. So I uh, I made it way more challenging than I had to. And it was a fun, it was a fun time. This is what we expect from you, Mason. You know, we expect you of course to, we expect you to go off and you know do your thing and and, and uh, you know you may get lost or something when you go off on your little beaten trail, but uh, ultimately you'll find your way. Exactly. You know, if you just keep on going up, you'll eventually get to a peak. That's hey, that's. That's that's true. Yeah, those are life lessons, man. I know. That's yeah, some yeah, deep exactly. shit right there. <laughs> so deep. <laughs> uh, so I went to the Olympic Park. That was kind of neat where they hosted the Olympic Games many years ago. I, uh, I broke my rule and I went to a ramen place. So I've often said I refuse to buy ramen in America because, you know, after after getting the real thing in Japan... Uh, just nothing comes close and I, I found this place online I got a bunch of good recommendations even like foodies that I knew in the area like recommended oh you got to go to this place you got to hit it up it was called Yokato Yokobai Ramen and it was just north of that mountain I was talking about and I I was like you know what maybe maybe my rule will only exist for USA America, not North America, including Canada. And I went there, and while it wasn't bad, it just still Uh-oh. wasn't the same. It still didn't hold up. It was womp, womp. it was close. It was very similar to the um what was that place in Osaka throughout Tokyo where you get the sheet of paper and you uh, like mark like how thin you want the noodles, how well you want them cooked. How much green onions? How much spice you want? Well, I don't think I went uh, to that place. No, there was. It's they also have one in uh, New York City that's overpriced. But well, listen, listen, Mason. It's a chain. I'll it was you, similar in concept like that, where you get to customize your ramen experience. I'll tell you something. There's there's several places in uh, Denver that won't disappoint you. <clears throat> so when you can visit, that's we the, can go to one of those if you want. Well, I'm that's I'm just leading up to the fact where. I'm kind of a ramen snob right now, and I want to—I uh, want to be proven wrong. I want to be graced once again with, we can go to with a, the presence of exceptional ramen. We can go to Osaka ramen. It's—it's it's a little expensive, but like it's—it's it's legit ramen. You know, like their noodles are fresh. You can tell they made them in house. You know, it's good. You can get a—you uh, you can get okonomiyaki fries. It's pretty nice. Ooh, those are always good. Yeah. I'm actually—I uh, was thinking of uh, Ichiran, Ichiran ramen. That's the. Uh, are the fries made place. of like cabbage? Uh, are you talking to me? Like how? Yeah. How? What? Are, like how are okonomiyaki? I mean, fries it, made. They're French fries basically, but they have all the okonomiyaki toppings on them. Gotcha. Okay. It's just yeah, I'm just, just the, the sauce and probably the little uh, little ginger and 
seaweed flakes. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, pretty much. But the ramen there is really good. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds good. I, I've uh, I've been to Vancouver and I've been to Toronto, but you know. I've so never- Vancouver is absolutely gorgeous and one of the most beautiful cities I've ever been to. It's super cool. It just feels very clean. And uh, Toronto feels like a very American city. It's very close in like tone to Chicago. I found. Mm. But uh, I mean, I think my last day in Montreal kind of sums up the the extreme ends of how I interact with the world because there was actually also a big uh, like metal music festival going on. It just so happened to be when I was there, and I was very close to going. And I like went to the venue, I thought about the price, and I looked through all the bands. So I, on one hand, I was seconds away from going to a like a hardcore metal show in Montreal. But at the last second, I decided, nah, I could see a metal show wherever else I go. So I'll hold off, and instead of going to this brutal metal show, I <laughs> went to the library. And I just hung wow. out there for a couple hours. Because I love visiting foreign libraries and seeing how they're laid out and what their systems are like. Who so, are you? Was it different than ours? Because I was thinking, I don't see how that would be much different than our libraries. No, but they usually have like little architecture or like quirks on how things are sorted. Ah, okay. And just, you know, little, like this thing had a, like a weird like book return conveyor belt on the bottom floor where you could like see everyone's books and like media go whizzing by. It was kind of cool. You pulled the rug out from under him, Mason. They all expected the music festival, but they got. I know. I know. I, I hit, hit him with that library and right, see yeah. it coming. They got the uh, the the library book sorting system is slightly different. Exactly. Exactly. And nothing. They thought were this they was going to be bands? interesting. Because that would have uh, been No, they were like national like oh, okay. bands. So it was stuff that they would tour around here. Gotcha. Okay. But uh, it was pretty cool. And I've, at the end of the day, my favorite thing about going to cities is just watching how people move and seeing just the little quirks and stories that happen. <laughs> how I people mean, move? Yeah, Do they like, move differently than us? How, how, the, how they move through their environment. Like the, how the trains work, how, how the buses connect. Like my Oh, gotcha. Okay. In my head, I started playing the Monty Python Silly Walk. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, how they walk. Uh, they you know, walk Canadians backwards walk over very there. silly. <laughs> Except when they're crossing the street and then they do like the sideways karaoke step. Yeah. It's very wild. No, but just like little things like, you know, when the train pulls up, do people wait on the side bef- and let people get out or do they all bum rush the doors yeah, which, and which make do a whole they do? clog. Which do they do? Are they are, are they the people that that wait for everyone to get out of the elevator? Or are they the I get on the elevator and don't give a shit people? They're right in the middle. They wait one second for people to come out, but if there's a second of stoppage in the flow, everyone just rushes the door. I'm not sure one so, second is enough time. It's really not, because there's always, a, especially like older people who you know take a little bit of time to get going... Uh, they would always just get pushed back into the train by a wave of oh, people. No. <laughs> but for the most part, it was pretty easy to get around, and it was a joy. And uh, you just see all these little moments that you wouldn't, I don't know, normally see if you're not paying attention. Like, my favorite uh, moment was the last day I was there. There was a uh, uh, a gentleman on the on the train holding a very flimsy paper plate with a massive slice of chocolate cake on it. What? 
and he was like kind of like nodding off and sleeping and oh, the no, train was like so rumbling so this <laughs> very thin paper plate is just bouncing around with this chocolate cake just wobbling all over it and everyone in the train was just staring at it waiting to see like is it going to hold up is it going to flop to the side like what's uh, what's the conclusion to all this right, cake right. arc story what is this? <laughs> mandy mandy i'll give you yes. i'll give you three to one odds that that cake fell you want that i'm going to assume that it held because that would be epic uh, well, it actually somehow withstood the train and all the vibrations, and the man uh, merrily left. I mean, it could have failed later. I didn't. I didn't follow him oh, <laughs> all the way home. Man, you left us hanging. I know. He, he I got, know. He got all the way to his doorstep and dropped it while he was fumbling with his keys. Probably. <laughs> You're supposed was, to be there for us. <laughs> but like, oh, I, I've never seen someone take transport such a single piece of cake. Such great distances, and uh, I was really, I was really enthralled by uh, his situation. This <laughs> by the cake situation. <laughs> this is why Mason travels. It's the, it's right. the, it's the, the exhilaration. He's of, a people watcher. Yeah, of chocolate of course. cake. Yeah, exactly. That that, that gave me life. <laughs> I was wearing a, uh, my first day there, I was wearing a Deadpool shirt because you know it's Ryan Reynolds is Canadian, got to be a little cheeky. Uh, and I had multiple people compliment me on my Spider-Man shirt. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure, close enough. <laughs> oh, my God. Close so enough, Canada. Fun. Thanks. Uh, I listened to these two young boys get in an argument about what they would do if a genie granted them a wish. Oh, man, that's and the And one boy was like, I would ask for motorcycles, but you would probably ask for 100 soft, small pink teddy bears. What? This is and, my favorite part of this entire and, story. And the child was just wrecked because oh. he, 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 he was trying to argue his point like, no, but they'd be so soft as if that was actually what he would ask for. And uh, uh, there's just all these great little character moments. I love it. Uh, that- waiting in line for s- this very popular smoked meats place, which is actually actually probably the last time I've waited in line for a restaurant since Japan. I feel like in America, we don't really queue up in the same way. Like, you'll go to a restaurant and you'll get, like, a buzzer and put your name in with a host. But you don't line up in a line to get in. Right. So that was a little nostalgic. But this uh, gentleman went to take off his sweatshirt. And he asked his friends to hold his shirt underneath it, hold it down, so that when he took his sweatshirt off, it wouldn't, you know, come up with the sweatshirt. So they oblige him, and he goes to take off his sweatshirt, and his friends, to, in a hilarious prank, then lift up his shirt to defeat the purpose of this whole thing, only for when they lift up the shirt to poke the friend in the eye. And it was very uh, Three Stooges-esque. And <laughs> I was it was say. <laughs> just, you know, all these little moments that you get when you travel and really break you out of the norm and realize... Uh, everyone's kind of silly in this world, and it you was got a fun time. Epic cake saga. Epic you cake got saga. Some slapstick comedy. <laughs> Get everything in Montreal. Yeah. <laughs> I think clearly the, the the title of this episode is now "One Hundred Soft Pink Teddy Bears," and I, it and, should be. And if I have room, I'll write Devast, "Devastates Child" because that was the best thing. <laughs> oh man, that clickbait! Oh my exactly. God. Child devastated by one hundred soft pink teddy bears. <laughs> 
but yeah, I mean, I, I could go on for days about all the different restaurants I ate at, but they were really good. If I had to recommend one place, uh, it would probably be, uh, I'm, I'm not going to even try to pronounce this correctly. It was Ma Pule Mole. It was Ma like this Portuguese, like, it was like this Portuguese <laughs> chicken place. And it was easily the biggest plate of food I've ordered there. And the prices were very reasonable and it was delicious. And if you like poutine and you like your meats, uh, it was excellent. So give that place a shot. We found out why Mason liked it. It was a huge portion. (laughs) Yes. It was an overwhelming (laughs) amount of French fries and it was exceptional. So. Okay. Wow. I think, uh, I think that's like the spark note version of my trip. And then of course, you know, came back through customs and the line to get over the border uh, between Canada and Vermont was very long and I was very bored and I was taking pictures of random stuff and uh, I got detained for taking pictures of the facilities and oh, they no! <laughs> made me delete all this stuff off my phone and it was a great time. They were like, you. I'm glad Did to you never drive have to or do fly again. over? Uh, I drove. It was about okay. a five hour, five and a half hour drive. Gotcha. But it was curious. through like Vermont and like part of Massachusetts. So it was very, uh, very scenic and beautiful. So it was an easy drive. They're like, you look like a man that might be smuggling poutine. You come with us. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, if you ever go, uh, if you ever cross a border, uh, don't take pictures of anything because you will look suspicious as I did and you will get detained. <laughs> As you and did, wear your but. Spider-Man t-shirts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And bring some cake. Yes, yes. Tantalize and uh, <laughs> make all the people on the train feel jealous with their yeah. inadequate cake situation. <laughs> all right. Well, what a what a jam-packed hobby addicts this was. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness gracious. It's great. I didn't expect half the things we talked about. <clears throat> all right. Well. Next week, I am going to be going to the largest water park in the United States for my birthday. It has like six, it's like 60 water slides or something ridiculous, and it's down, it's over here in Denver. So we'll, we'll have that next week. We know Mandy's going to be talking about Fire Emblem. And well, next week, I'll be talking about Gen Con. Gen Con. I, I have Gen Con coming up. I am corrected. Yeah. Thank you. And Mason, well, Lord only knows what, what Mason's going to get into. <laughs> And, Hopefully uh, it's going to be the new Tarantino movie. So uh, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to hear. I want to see cool. that too. All right, guys. Oh, I like to think Mitsugi's only been training on these mountains so that he's ready to walk up all of these water slides. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, are the water slides ready for me? We'll see. There, that's the true question. Yes. Yeah. Splash time, baby. That's Get right. excited. See you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.